Hi, this is Pastor Stephen. I am the pastor of New Beginning Church in Singapore. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this podcast will build your faith. Hope you grow deeper in the word of the Lord and know Him personally in much deeper way. Enjoy the message. God bless you. So um, just before I came, you know, I was just talking to my son. I was telling him that um, I'm going to preach. And then he said, hey, let me tell you a joke. So I thought I'd share with you the joke. Okay, so it was hot when I met it, but when, when he told me, but now his baby is a bit cold, but don't worry. <laughs> I'll try to make it, I'll try to spice it up as best as I can. You know, and he, he asked me this question, Dad, do you know why McDonald's in France, why they don't serve escargot? Escargot is snails, right? Why do you don't serve, why do you don't serve snails? In France, McDonald's. He said, I said, son, I don't know why, Nathan, I don't know why. He told me that they don't serve snails because it is not fast food. <laughs> I know, a bit cold, a bit lame already, but it was hot when he told me about it, right? Okay, so you know, today we're just going to go through a book X. I'm going to tell you about one of the revelations that I have from the book X. And that leads us to the first verse for today. Okay, sorry, not working. Huh? Let me try again. Okay, it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Let me read to you. It says, Then now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Down here, when we pick up the story in Acts chapter 4, these two disciples, Peter and John, had already healed a lame man at Gate Beautiful. Okay, and here they were being questioned by the elders and the teachers of the law. Why were they healing in the name of Jesus? Why did they intimidate these two disciples? It's because they wanted them to stop preaching about this Jesus. They did not like Jesus and back here he was already crucified. So they wanted them to keep quiet and stop preaching about this Jesus. But what was astonishing about these two disciples was that they were bold, they were courageous, they refused to be intimidated by the teachers of the law. They refused to back down. Why? Because the two disciples had been with Jesus. Sorry, wrong one, huh? (laughs) Because they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. And that is the title of my sermon today. Have you been with Jesus? Because these two disciples had been with Jesus. That's why they were totally changed. And the question we must ask ourselves is, have we been with Jesus? We must know that the Christian faith is not a scholastic faith. It's not that how much you study that means the more anointed or the more talented you are in the kingdom of God. But it is about a relationship with a real and living God. These two disciples they were not coming to church or going to the synagogue just because, just because they were born in the faith. Of course, they were born into the, the Jewish faith. But here at this point of time, they were not just doing it because someone asked them to church or they were born in the Christian family. They were going because they encountered God in a real way. And that is why they refused to back down. They refused to be intimidated because they knew that the God that they served was real and living. So despite the fact that there was intimidation, they were bold and courageous for the kingdom of God. Friends, in their minds, they knew this verse, this Old Testament verse. Sorry, wrong one. (laughs) The Lord is good, a stronghold in a day of trouble. and He knows those who trust in Him. 
Friends, to them, they had a revelation that the Lord is Jesus. The Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. And He knows those who trust in Him. Friends, when we are in trouble, who do we turn to? Who do we turn to in a day of trouble? With men, there are two basic, basically two things that they can turn to. I like to sum it up in two things. All right, both start with letter M. When they are young, when they are in trouble, who do they turn to? They turn to mommy. Mommy, help me. When they are older, who do they turn to? Money. <laughs> but these two disciples, because they knew God, in a day of trouble, who did they turn to? They turned to God. So, when people turn to God, what does the Bible say about them? It says that He knows them or they know God. Because only people who know God will turn to God in a day of trouble. If you don't know God, then who do you turn to? You turn to your own clever thinking, you turn to money, you, think the thing, you to turn to the things of the world. But these two disciples turn to God. And we must know that Peter and John, the disciples of Jesus, the 12 of them, they were not spiritual giants overnight. They were not strong and bold or courageous right from the start. And we must know that in order for us to grow to be spiritual men and women of God, faith is a process. Every theological giant will tell you that faith is a process. And in the same way today, as we look at Simon Peter, today we're going to look at Simon Peter and we're going to see how he grew to be a great man of God. So then I want you to put on your seatbelts and let's get ready to find out how Simon Peter grew to be a great man of God. The first point today is that godly confidence grows as we encounter him. Godly confidence grows as we encounter him. The question we must ask ourselves today is, was Simon Peter always confident in God? Was Simon Peter always confident in God? If you look at the Bible, the first time you read about Simon Peter was when he was out fishing. And we all know that he went out fishing the whole night and he caught zero, zilch, nothing. Correct? It was a bad day at the office. He caught no fish at all. And there he met Jesus. And Jesus asked him, let down your nets. He let down his nets reluctantly. But as he held up the nets, that was when he realized that God did a miracle for him. There was a net-breaking, boat-sinking harvest. And as we pick the story up, let's look at the story in the book of Luke. All right, Let me read for you. It says there in the NIV version, When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for Peter. For you will fish for people. Sorry. When Simon encountered God's presence and power that day, what was Simon's first response? His first response was to flee, to run. Why? Because he did not know who this Jesus was. All he knew was that this Jesus was a powerful man of God. And when he compared himself to Jesus, he knew that he fell off the mark. While Jesus was holy, he was not. While Jesus was educated, Peter was not. While Jesus was good, Peter was not. He was just an ordinary, tainted, imperfect man. And he felt that he was not good enough 
to be in the presence of God. And that is why he said he wanted to go, get away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Peter felt small, insignificant, and unworthy. Fear stops us from pursuing God. He did not know who this God was, and fear stops us from pursuing Him. That is why it is called a journey of faith, because later on you will see how Peter began to grow in God. But here in this instance, he was afraid. And we must know that faith is not the absence of fear, but faith is the courage to face your fears. Here at this point of time, he had to make a decision whether he would run or whether he would follow Christ. And we must know that Jesus at this moment of time gave him an encounter, an encounter with his goodness. Because why? He had zero fish, but the goodness of God made him a very rich man that day because he had a harvest full, a boatload of fish. And he, as he encountered God's goodness, he began to learn that this man is someone more, someone more than an ordinary man. Friends, God will always give us encounters. I remember when I was young, I was telling Pastor, I didn't tell Pastor earlier, but I was born in Singapore, correct? And I came from mission school in Singapore. And back then, because it was a mission school, my friends would constantly invite me to crusades. In my time, there were always a lot of national crusades at the national stadium. And although I, was, I did not come from a Christian family, my parents allowed me to, to follow whatever, whatever I wanted to do or to follow up whatever I wanted to follow up on. So I went to the crusades and there was my first brush with this supernatural God. I did not know what I was experiencing, but every time when they worship God, every time when the preacher preached, suddenly I felt something was different in the air. I began to tear. I felt goosebumps upon my goosebumps. I, I was moved by the presence of God because back then I didn't know what was the presence of God. And as I teared, I tried not to let anyone see me tearing because it's so embarrassing for a teenage boy to cry, right? And my friends also did not explain to me what was going on, so I just like kept quiet about it. And that was it. Did I follow up more on God? No, because after that, there was just too many things to be distracted with as a growing up teen in Singapore. There was video games, there was girls, and there was girls. <laughs> you know, So there were so many things to be distracted with. And I did not want to follow up on God because it meant a sacrifice. Because I knew that I needed to sacrifice my Sundays to go to church. So I did not follow up on him at all. So time passed, and I went to university. I was telling pastor I went to study in Australia. And my second year of uni, my neighbor kept on inviting me to church. But every time week when he invited me for one whole year, I always had an excuse because I told him, Saturday night, I was out partying at the discos. By the time I wake up, it is 1 p.m. already. I'm sure your service is not so late, right? <laughs> so, so, you know, I had a legal excuse in that sense not to go to church. But finally, after one year of trying, on one Saturday night, I happened to not go out to the discos. So the next day, I went with him to church. And as I went to church that day, that was when they gave the altar call. And suddenly, once again, I was moved. I can't remember what on earth the preacher preached that day. But 
I felt very moved at the altar call. I remembered that feeling that I felt when I was a teenager, when I was 14 or 15 years old. My hair began to stand. I began to move and I began to respond to God. I went up to the front. And there in front, the counselor asked me, do you want to receive the gift of tongues? I'm like, what on earth is tongues? <laughs> he said, it's a, it's a spiritual supernatural language given to you by the power of God. And I was like, how do you receive it? Do I go to school for this? I was, he told me that all you need to do is just to believe. And then after that, whatever that comes to your lips, just speak it out. I, to me, the explanation was not good enough. I was like, I still do not know how. But that day, that day, my hunger to meet God was greater than all my fears. And, as, as, and what I did was that I followed his instructions. And then as I closed my eyes, I really had something to say. It was just one word. But I just kept on saying it again and again and again. And because of that, I received the gift of tongues. Friends, I would like to tell you that after that, all my doubts and fears disappeared. But no, it was still there. But I experienced enough of God's love, His goodness, His power that day to know that there is somebody called a God. And I wanted more. I wanted more of God. And when I heard that the preacher tell me that God can speak to you, I felt in my heart, I want God to speak to me. I want to hear His voice. That was what the encounter did for me. The encounter gave me a hunger to want to thirst and to want more of God. Simon Peter also encountered God that day. And that is why, even though he did not fully understand who this Jesus was, he made a decision to follow God and become a fisher of men. Friends, we must know the same God that Simon Peter met, the same God I met, is inviting you once again. God is always inviting us for an encounter. Just as he showed grace to Peter, in the same way, in the same way, he is always, always inviting you. We do not know how he moves, but he's always, always inviting you. And we must know that God is always inviting us to relationship with Him because the goodness of God leads you to repentance. What is repentance? That means turning away from your old lifestyle to follow Him. He wants a relationship with you. And that is why He keeps on doing good to us. He keeps on giving us opportunities, opportunities to realize that He is a good God. He wants to invite us into that relationship. One of my favorite verses is this verse in Jeremiah. Not the one about dreams and visions, but this one. He says that I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to them and I will inspire them to fear me so that they will never turn away from me. I will rejoice in doing them good and will surely plant them in this land with all my heart and soul. God says that He'll keep on doing good He'll keep on giving us opportunities to meet Him. He'll keep on encountering us. Why? So that we have an opportunity to know Him. He wants to inspire us to know Him so that we will never turn away from Him. God is always, always encouraging us, drawing us, bringing us back. He's always knocking upon the doors of our heart and says, I want to meet you. Sometimes when we think about meeting God, we ask, do I need to be perfect? Do I need to be all ready to meet God? 
But we must know that God is not, does not need perfection for an encounter. Simon Peter, remember, he was having a bad day. He caught how many fish? Zero fish that day. But yet, even though he did nothing to earn the right to become a follower of Jesus, God still invited him. He does not need perfection. God is not looking for perfection. God is not looking for perfect people, but he's looking for surrendered people. As long as you're willing to surrender your life, God is willing to meet you. The encounter is to bring us to a place of surrender. The encounter is to bring us to that place of surrender. Let me follow up on my story that I told you earlier. So, after I experienced God's goodness, after I got saved, after I experienced His power, suddenly I became ignited. I wanted to know this God. So what did I do back then? This was the days of 56K internet, the days before YouTube existed. Yeah, there, were time, there was a time before YouTube did not exist, all right? Before YouTube, before Netflix. And so what did I do every week? Every week, I would go to a Christian bookstore, read the books there. I would, I would take one of my friends' cassettes and CDs. I would listen to all the sermons. That's right, cassettes, correct? Long time ago. And I would, I would listen to all these CDs and, and listen to the sermons that these pastors, famous pastors preach. And I would try to gain as much knowledge. I would ask my pastor, how do I know that God speaks? How do I know this God's will? I would ask him so many questions. But at the end of the day, I realized that after so much readings, at the end of the day, I needed first-hand experience to grow deeper in Him. I needed an encounter. And so I told God that day, God, I want my own stories of encounter. I want to meet you. Sometimes we do not know what we ask for. And what we ask, God does answer. So after that, what happened? After that, upon graduation, I was telling pastor, I came back to City Harvest. I came back to Singapore. And because I was saved in an Australian church, a small church, I had have, I have many opportunities. So before I came back, I had many opportunities to serve. I served in many, many ministries. I served as a, as a guitarist. I served as a worship leader. I served as a preacher. You know, I, I was a cell group leader. And then later on, I became a zone supervisor. That means I was in charge of two, three cell groups and more. I became a men's meeting leader, a dramatist. There's so many things, many opportunities for me. So when I came back, I was very confident in God in that sense already. Okay, and when I came back, I wanted to really pursue my full-time calling in God. The thing is, when you grow in God, there are two types of people that generally, generally arise. I just want to generalize it, all right? First type of people that grow in God is that they feel that God will never use me. I'm not talented enough. I'm not good enough, you know, and, and, and God will always use someone other than me because I'm just not good enough. The second type of person is that, I am the best thing that's inside bread. I'm talented enough. I'm good enough. I'm capable enough. If God doesn't use me, then something is surely wrong. <laughs> Guess which category I'm in? <laughs> Here, <laughs> the Howlian one. <laughs> the Howlian arrogant one that thinks that God must surely use me. So when I came back to, to church, to Singapore, I chose all the churches. I chose City Harvest Church. And I told myself that, okay, once I get settled in, once I get settled in the cell group and service, God is going to create opportunities for me. So I got into cell group and service. And true enough, after one month, one of the pastors wanted to meet me. It's not, it's not a regular event that a pastor meets you. So when they wanted to meet me, I thought, oh, wow, God heard my prayer. God can't stop. God just wants to raise up the anointed man of God. The time, the moment is here today. So I met the, the pastor 
we were, back then there was a McDonald's near our church. So we sat down. After some weather talk, the pastor asked, so what do you do in church in Australia? So I said, wow, time to show off my resume. I better be more detailed. Tell longer. <laughs> Instead of a short one, I must tell long resume. So I said, oh, I was a cell group leader. I was a zone supervisor. I was a worship leader. I was a dramatist. I was a men's meeting leader. You know, all the things I, 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 I did, I began to regurgitate until I felt so good about myself. I, said, I was thinking, wow, really? I did so many things in such a short space of time. I felt good about myself even. And then I told myself that as after the, the pastor left, even though she kept quiet, I told myself, surely, 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 she will call me soon. One day passed, no one called me. Five days passed, no one called me. Seven days passed, no one called me. After one month, still no one called me. So I thought to myself, it is okay. I still can trust God. I'll faithfully go for cell group and we'll see what happens. One month, I go for cell group. Nothing happened. Three months, I went for cell group. Nothing happened. I was telling myself, what's happening here? From doing a lot in church now, I'm doing nothing. And I told God, God, give me opportunities to serve. But guess what? As I went to cell group, I did zero niche. I did not even do icebreakers. Did not, they did not even trust me to do refreshments. That's the ultimate insult, right? They want to trust you to serve coffee and to buy coffee and tea for them. I was like, God, where are you? And I waited, I waited from three months to six months to nine months to one year. After one year, I was like frustrated. I was like, God, where are you? I felt like a vase left on a shelf, broken, unused. And like God did not want me. All my arrogance and ambition was broken. And then that day, I told God, God, whatever you want, I surrender to you. It's not about my dream, but it's about yours. And today, that day, I made a choice to surrender and say, let your will be done and not mine. And guess what? Immediately, almost immediately, the next week, someone called me and said that, can you help out in my cell group? And then a few months later, opportunities arose. I began to go for the school of theology. And then after that, many other ministry opportunities began to arise. Friends, that was my encounter. It brought me to a place of surrender. We must know that all God is looking for is a willingness to surrender our hearts, our lives, to be willing to put our lives into His hands and to allow Him to mow us. Of course, God did not move the way I expected Him to. But that is hardly surprising because God is always like that. His ways are higher than our ways. Friends, every encounter requires a surrender. We need to surrender ourselves. Peter surrendered himself to God that day because even though he did not fully understand who this Jesus was. He surrendered himself, gave up his all to follow Jesus and became a fisher of men. We must know that God is always looking for that surrender. Secondly, godly confidence grows as we partner with him. Just as Peter chose to partner with Jesus to become a fisher of men, we must be willing to partner with God. Relationships cannot deepen if it's just a once-a-week Sunday commitment. In order for any relationship to grow, we must take active steps to partner with Him. 
It requires more than a once a week or once a lifetime prayer. It requires more than just saying grace and that does not deepen your relationship. It requires more. Partnership is not about obeying God only when it's convenient. But we must be willing to obey God even when it's inconvenient, even when there are no benefits for us. Because why? We must be a partner and not a consumer. A consumer only obeys God when there are benefits. But when there are no visible benefits, are we willing to partner with God? I like this verse, all right? In the Bible, it says in Deuteronomy 8 verse 2, Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you will obey His commands. God always sets tests for us. Why? To humble us, to test us, to see whether or not we will obey. Let me tell you more about myself. So today is, is a sermon where I tell you everything about myself. So when the kids were young, right, and when they grew up, I had opportunities. Because back then, now they're teenagers. So when I first started writing about them, it was in the year about 2008. And I wrote about them in such a way that I started blogs, I, had, I, I did videos about them, and God's favour was upon my work such that He opened doors for me through social media, through my blog, to, to work with many different companies. I worked with the government, with the MDA, the Media Development Authority, I worked with MOE, I worked with many commercial companies like Dyson, um, Samsung, Microsoft, and of course, also with hotels like Shangri-La. In fact, at one time, at my peak, I could go to any Shangri-La in the world and they would give me a free stay there. So it was very, very, uh, very, very exciting for the kids as they grew up. All right? So this is my blog. All right? and, and it got really moved for me. So towards the end, just before COVID, because the, the, the kids are becoming teenagers already, so I cannot write so much about them because why? Teenagers value their privacy, right? So I don't write about them, instead I preach about them. <laughs> but anyway, that's just a, that's a preacher joke. <laughs> okay, but, but, but so I, I, I don't write about them. So just before COVID, right, um, one company called me. And it was one company that I never worked with during all my days. It was Apple. How many of you are Apple users here and you like Apple? Oh no, <laughs> the rest are all Samsung, right? Okay, so, so they called me and they asked me to work together with them. And I, and I, I was excited because why, if, when I work with them, it means that they will give me free stuff. And as a techie, freebies are always goodies, correct? Because they don't need to pay any money and get to use all these gadgets. So they invited me in, and true enough, they gave me a, a mini tablet because that was the first launch at that time, the mini tablet. Um, so I was very excited. I took the tablet home, you know, I bought all the gadgets, the gizmos for it, spruce it up because this was going to be my tablet. And then on that day when I got the tablet, I also had a prayer meeting at my house. So my guitarist came to my house and then he was taking out his Apple iPad. And then I was shocked because why? He had a big crack, a spider web crack like that on it. So I was looking at his tablet and said, hey, he said, Amos, Amos, you should do something about your tablet, man. I put my finger on it my, the, I feel like the glass is cracking me, you know, it's, it's, it's cutting me, you know. You should go and at least go to Malaysia and get the screen change, you know, and or just buy a new tablet. I was disturbing him and then we were laughing about it. But then as the prayer meeting started, suddenly I heard God telling me, give him the tablet. I was like, God, I just got this new gadget, you know. This is, I did not budget to buy any more tablets. 
and I don't think they're going to give me any more tablets. If I give this to him, there's no benefit for me at all. Why must I give him the tablet? Can I give him something else? Can I give him a drink instead? <laughs> you know, there were, there were many other questions going through my mind. So I decided, maybe I just ignore that voice and he will go away. So all through the prayer meeting, I just kept quiet. And then later when he left, I thought, I go and sleep. The next morning, that voice will disappear. I slept. The next morning, I opened my eyes. I still heard, give him the tablet. I'm like, oh. So I thought, maybe I'll find an accomplice. I will ask my wife. I'll tell her what happened and I'll see what she says. So I told my wife, darling, you know last night we had a great prayer meeting, but guess what? God told me to give him the new tablet that I have. And then what did my wife say? She, she did not say, no, don't give it to him. She said, you should give it to him. Just obey God. I was like, Xian <laughs> my accomplice, my helper, even she is against me. So like a good husband, I decided, okay, even though I don't see the benefit here, I told, I picked up the phone, I told my guitarist, I called him and said, Amos, guess what? Last night, God spoke to me. He says, give you the tablet. So I'm going to give you my brand new iPad mini. And then he was very happy. So I thought, okay, we'll see what happens. Guess what? Nothing happened after that. But one month later, Apple did call me again. And they just launched another iPad, the latest iPad. And they said, you can have it with the keyboard and everything else. We are going to give it to you. And this is the same iPad I'm using today. Wow, come, let's give God a big hand for that. You know, I, in my heart, I really did not want to obey and trust God. Because why? I did not see any benefits. But we must know, we must come to a place the place of surrender, the place of partnership is about a relationship where even when you don't see the benefits, you are able to trust Him. And that is what God wants of us. Maybe today, He's knocking on the doors of your heart and He's asking you for just 10 more minutes of prayer, to just be faithful to, be, to service every week. Maybe He's just asking for something small and you can't see the benefit. But a relationship that goes to a deeper level, requires us to come to that place of surrender. God wants us to be willing to surrender even when we don't fully understand. Thirdly and lastly, godly confidence pursues God despite one's mistakes. We must know that all of us will make mistakes in life, but we must be able to bounce back after making mistakes. When we think about Simon Peter, the numero uno, number one disciple, you also must remember, despite the fact that he was number one, he made many, many mistakes. And just off my head, I can think about seven. I'll list them out to you. All right. Peter fails as he walks on water. Correct? We all know about that. Peter rebuked Jesus when he was going to save the world. All right. He rebuked the Savior and said that you should not do that. Peter refused to wash the feet of Jesus. Peter, when you're just asked to stay for one hour to pray, cannot even do one hour. Peter denies Jesus three times. Peter quit the ministry and returns to fishing. Peter reluctant to fellowship the Gentiles, even after that in the book of Acts, and he was rebuked by Paul. This was the number one disciple, and yet he still made many, many mistakes. And when Everyone said that, and when Jesus said that, will you betray me? He said, he said that I will never betray you. 
I will never betray. He made very strong words. He said, if everyone else falls away, I will never fall away. I will even die with you. Very strong words. But yet he failed Jesus. He could have gone into depression because it was such a public, public failure. But after three years with Jesus, something changed. Because on that day, as he quit the ministry, guess what? He went fishing again. So the same scenario that played. Three years, three years ago, he went fishing, and that is where he met Jesus, correct? Now, three years later, he went fishing again. Three years ago, he caught zero. Three years later, still very bad, he caught zero. <laughs> and there he met Jesus once again. And what did Jesus say to him? He says there, he said, throw down your net on the right side. Same thing, also right side of the boat. And you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for taking off and jumped into the water. Similar scenario, but different response. Three years ago, he wanted to run away. Three years later, Despite his many failures, he wanted to swim towards Jesus. One was running away, and now he was running too. How many mistakes did he make now? Numerous, numerous mistakes. But yet, he was secure in God's love for him. He knew that even though he made mistakes, he could trust in his Savior. He could trust in this God. A revelation about his love changes the way we respond to failure. We must know that we all will make mistakes in life. We all will make mistakes. But whether or not you run to him or away from him is dependent on how you know him. Remember, the Lord is good, a stronghold in a day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. Do we know God well enough? that even after making mistakes, we still swim towards Him. We all have made promises to God, and we all have missed the promises, correct? We said that, God, I wanted to increase my quiet time, but worse now, instead of increasing, zero, right? You miss out on your quiet time. We all have said things to God that we wanted to do, but we have failed to deliver. After you fail, do you stop yourself, or do you still pursue God? Friends, I grew up in a family where academics is very important. Because why? My parents are principals. So to them, failure is never an option, especially when it comes to schoolwork. You cannot fail. The thing was, I was just an average student. And my spelling, my Chinese things here, you guys take Chinese? My Chinese things here, ling tan, zero. I come back with X. So when they see my X, they would punish me and scold me. And I began to think that love is conditional. I began to think that failure was my identity. And because of that, I had low self-esteem. I could not accept or would not tell anyone about all these feelings. So instead of coming back and show my parents my results, I would hide it. I would do my best to, to not show them all these results because I felt that the love was conditional. And when I came to God, I carried this baggage. Although I was rising up to serve God, but God was still dealing with this issue 
in my heart. He was always speaking to me, telling me that I love you. I love you despite the fact that you failed. I love you. Your failures do not define you. And we must know that when God sets us a test, He's not a sadistic tester that wants you to fail. We must know that God always wants you to pass. And even when you pass, he always, even when you fail, sorry, He wants you to know that He always has such grace upon you. That instead of remembering that failure, He will bring you to a place of promotion. Let me just give you one example as we close. Look at Simon Peter here. It says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to seep all of you as wheat. But I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, Strengthen your brothers. Jesus is always praying for us. He sets a test. He's praying that you will not fail. And even when you have failed, He says He expects you to come back to Him. He does not want to condemn you because you failed. But He wants you to come back. And He wants you to come back to that place of promotion because He wants Him to come back and strengthen His brothers. And truly, He became the first leader of the Christian world. God is not a God that wants to fail you and not let you succeed. We must know that despite Simon's failures, his denier, Jesus does not just restore him, but Jesus commissions him for greater things. In the same way today, all of us here, all of us here have failed him in certain ways. We've all promised God and made promises that we never follow through with. And sometimes because of these failures, we feel that we are not good enough and that God will never use us again. Remember, God is not looking for perfection, but a willingness to surrender to Him. And today, even as you hear this sermon, you must know that God is looking and knocking upon your heart. He's asking, will you keep on surrendering yourself to me? The kingdom of God is built on giants who live on surrendered hearts. And as long as you're willing to surrender yourself, to surrender your time, your energy, the simple things in life, it starts from there. As long as you're willing to surrender that, God will use you and He'll use you surely and slowly and surely you'll find promotion in the kingdom of God. Amen. Come, every eye close, every head bow. Let's begin to pray in spirit for a while. Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for the opportunity to hear your word. And Father, even as we quieten our hearts, we just ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us. As you're seated, how many of you want to say to God today that, God, I'm willing to surrender my life, my heart, my all to you. You say that, God, I may have failed you time and time again. But you insist to God today that, God, as you ask me, I'm willing to keep on pursuing and surrendering my heart to you. If that is you, you want to say that, God, I will surrender my life to you and I will love you with all my heart. At the count of three, only my eyes looking and God's eyes looking, I want you to quickly lift your hands up to him. One, two, three. That's right. I see that hand. 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 Thank you. I see so many hands. I see so many hands. You can put them down right now. Come, let's begin to say this prayer together. Wherever you are, let's say this prayer together. Father God, today I make a decision to surrender my life, my heart, into your hands. Today I say, I make a decision 
to keep on following you with all my heart. Take me this day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 